Gonzaga Nation SI breaking down the West region because that's where Gonzaga is at. The number one overall seed, the number one seed in the West. They begin their pod in Portland, Oregon, which is a tremendous, uh, I think, advantage for them. Uh, as the number one overall seed, they're able to choose where they want to go. The only other possible spot they would have uh, probably considered a little bit would have been San Diego, but um, Spokane to Portland, 45-minute flight. It's uh, perfect um, for fans throughout the Pacific Northwest to get to uh, Portland and attend the games in the first and the second round. I mean, you're talking a six-hour drive from Spokane, uh, two and a half to three hours, depending on traffic, if it's Seattle down to Portland. So uh, the West region uh, is where Gonzaga is. Um, it's a good bracket. It's a fun bracket. Uh, there are a ton of really good teams. If you actually look at it really quickly, uh, there's lots of unique and great storylines. You've got uh, three teams that Gonzaga has played in the preseason. Uh, you've got a former assistant coach of Gonzaga leading a potential second round matchup in Boise State, which we'll touch on. We've got a UConn team uh, that is led by Danny Hurley. Um, and everybody knows that Gonzaga lore started in the NCAA tournament years ago, and it was upended against UConn um, way back in 1999. You've got uh, a number of really good storylines, as I mentioned. So let's just go from bottom of the bracket up so that we finish with Gonzaga, the one seed at the top of the bracket. But the Duke is the two seed taking on Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton knocked off Long Beach State in the Big West uh, to, to make it to the NCAA tournament. And uh, Duke in Coach K's final year, um, they've been a story all season long. They've been a, a story in the postseason. You know they're going to be a story here in the NCAA tournament, um, and rightfully so. But when you look at their season, they had uh, some really good wins in particular early that went against Gonzaga in Las Vegas. I believe it was a three-point win. Paulo Bancaro played really well in that first half. Then he was battled with uh, some some second half cramps, leg cramps, uh, to kind of slow him. But, uh, they had other guys played well that night. AJ Griffin, uh, comes to mind really quickly. Mark Williams on the interior, uh, is a tremendous defensive presence, shot blocking, rebounding. Um, he's gotten better on the offensive end as the season has gone by. Uh, but Duke has kind of sputtered a little bit down the stretch of the season. Didn't win the conference title. Um, they still got a two seed. Uh, some other analysts out there think that was a, a stretch for them. But that being said, uh, Duke, the two seed, playing Cal State Fullerton, the 15 in the first round. Next up will be seven seeded Michigan State against Bob McKillop's Davidson Wildcats. The Davidson did not win the A-10 tournament title, but they were extremely good in the Atlantic 10 throughout the course of the regular season. Um, Davidson is known because that's the home of Steph Curry. Davidson and the Wildcats knocked off Gonzaga many years ago when Steph Curry exploded for 40-plus points in an NCAA tournament game. But Davidson is known for their precision offense. They do a tremendous job of pass screen, cut, um, misdirection actions, changing angles of screens, uh, an unbelievably well-coached group out of the A-10, going up against seven-seeded Michigan State. You mentioned great coaching staff in Bob McKillop with Davidson. You know, there's only one way to describe 
uh, Tom Izzo, and that's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, he gets the most out of his group seemingly every single year. I mean, the Big Ten, you're going to be battle-tested. You're going to go through a lot of physical contests. Um, when I look, when I saw them play throughout the season, nothing in particular jumped out at me um, other than the fact that the resiliency of that group. They could be down eight, but they play the same way. They could go on a run and now be up four. They play the same way. So um, that's, I think, always been a calling card of, of Michigan State teams under Tom Izzo is just the resiliency and the consistency with, with which they play. Uh, moving up the bracket, uh, another um, team that Gonzaga played earlier in the seed, the three-seed Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, uh, under Coach Mark Adams in his first year, uh, have had some tremendous stretches this season. Um, defensively, they're the best team in the country as far as points per possession allowed. Offensively, they can get, get stuck at times uh, and, and kind of go on scoring droughts, but their defense keeps them in the game, allows them to um, kind of work through those struggles at times on the offensive end. Gonzaga beat them down in Phoenix uh, at the Hall of Fame Classic in a, in a really good game. Um, and it, it's a, a game that a lot of people are thinking could be a rematch to get to uh, a Final Four. Um, I don't have Texas Tech advancing all the way to the regional final, um, but if that were the case, you know, Texas Tech would have a lot of um, revenge on their mind for having lost earlier in the season. But they've got to get by a really good Montana State team out of the Big Sky. Montana State won the Big Sky regular season, won the Big Sky tournament title. They're coached by uh, head coach Danny Sprinkle, who played at Montana State years ago. He was a tremendous shooter in his own right. Now he's leading his alma mater. Um, it, it's one of those tricky things always as a former player turned head coach at his alma mater, and he gets them going on a, a tremendous path, a trajectory. If they go on a run, if they continue to succeed, does he stay at his alma mater or does he move to a bigger opportunity? Because I think Coach Sprinkle, uh, having watched him over the last couple of years, I think he's he's one of those young coaches um, who will have an opportunity to, to be at a big-time school uh, if that's the route that he chooses. If not, Montana State has a gem in Danny Sprinkle for the foreseeable future. Continuing to move up the bracket line, we've got a six-seed Alabama Crimson Tide led by Nate Oates against a uh, winner of the play-in game Rutgers of the Big East or Notre Dame out of the ACC. And when I, when I look at this, um, the Rutgers-Notre Dame game, when we're recording this, they haven't played yet. So um, just my observations of seeing both these teams play a, a little bit over conference tournament week is uh, I would give the slightest of edges uh, to Notre Dame. Uh, and by slightest of edges, to me, that's a coin flip. Both teams uh, looked good enough to be in the tournament, but they didn't look good enough to me uh, you know, to make a lot of noise to advance in the NCAA tournament. Playing against a six-seed Alabama Crimson Tide, who's unbelievably talented, very talented. Betty Ako on the interior uh, has got some good size, some good length. He's very skilled. Uh, his skills progressed very well over the season. Uh, Quinterly is a point guard. Quick, dynamic with the ball, can create for others. Not a great outside shooter, um, but he has shown the ability uh, to score it because he can get in the paint and create. Um, and with his handle, he is tough to stop. Other couple guys for, for Alabama to really keep an eye on. Jordan Shackelford, uh, excuse me, Jalen Shackelford, 
uh, has had kind of an up and down season at times, but he can really get it going from three point line. Had a tremendous game against Gonzaga, where they actually beat the Zags in Seattle in December, uh, where I think they hit as a team 12 or 13 threes, if I'm not mistaken. So they can really get it going. They've got a really good freshman in JD Davison. Um, you'll notice him the second you turn on the TV and see him play because of his hair. It's flying everywhere, but he plays at a extremely fast pace. I mean, he doesn't seem to slow down the whole entire time. I think that's one thing that um, freshmen can learn and slow down and pick and choose their times to play at pace. And some don't quite figure that out until their sophomore years. I think he's still playing uh, at a pretty fast pace and he hasn't figured that out. The only problem for Nate Oates is he may not be around in Tuscaloosa as a sophomore because he's uh, – He's being he's being evaluated pretty in depth by NBA front office personnel. I think he'll be obviously um, you know, a lot's going to be determined on how he plays in the NCAA tournament. But I've got Alabama moving on uh, in that 6-11 game. Move up the list a little bit. The 4-13 game. Um, you, you look at Vermont. They had a tremendous season. I think they've got 29 or 30 wins. So they're one of the most accomplished teams as far as one loss record in the entire. Um, NCAA tournament field, won their conference tournament, won their conference uh, league outright as well. They're playing really good basketball. I know a number of people have predicted the 13th seed Vermont to knock off number four Alabama, the Razorbacks. Um, that to me is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, Arkansas is unbelievably well coached with Eric Musselman. Um, you know, you look at some of the, the guys on that team, Note in particular jumps out at you really quick. Um, you know, the, 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 the attention to detail for Arkansas at home versus away is much, much different. They struggled early in the season, and a lot of that was, I think, due to uh, playing a really difficult non-conference schedule. Eric Musselman wants to have a tough strength of schedule, so if they have some slip-ups, that's not going to impact them too much in the net and the Ken Palms and the an analytics that are really looked at. Uh, but when you look at the overall kind of trend, they're playing really good basketball right now is Arkansas. But they're undefeated at home, and they've struggled neutral site and um, on the road. So that's something to keep in mind. The game is uh, played, I believe it's in Buffalo, um, if I'm not mistaken. So that game's a little closer to Vermont than it is for, for Arkansas. And it's always curious and it's always interesting. If it's a close game, does the higher seed uh, kind of win over the crowd and get them behind them. I would imagine that might be the case. So um, that'll be interesting to watch. But I've, I've got Arkansas moving on. UConn, the five seed, taking on New Mexico State, led by Chris Jans, a really good head coach um, in Las Cruces against Danny Hurley at UConn. UConn, out of the Big East, um, they play a tough physical style of basketball. They had to... Uh, replace a lot in James Booknight from scoring it a season ago. But R.J. Cole, I think, has done a really nice job. His size and some of his numbers show and share with you that he's a point guard. But really, to me, he's just a basketball player. I think he's a tremendous combo guard who can score it. You can make plays for others. Um, he's, a, he's a lefty that keep, keeps you off balance. Uh, he's got that James Harden beard um, that will be something that, allows him to stand out when you're watching him on TV. Uh, New Mexico State uh, is tr transfer heavy, 
Um, they're very experienced, although the experience has been sometimes in different places and then they've come together. Um, they're, they're a really good ball club uh, out of the whack, but I think UConn is going to move on in that one. Move up the, the bracket to the 8-9 game, and this one is, to me, th this is a, a tough one to call. Uh, Boise State, um, out of the Mountain West, they won their league title, first time ever. Then they also won the Mountain West tournament title. First time ever, not just getting to the tournament final, but winning the tournament um, for, for the Broncos of Boise State. So that was great. Um, Leon Rice, all-time winning as head coach at Boise State, a former assistant at Gonzaga. Um, he's got this team playing extremely good basketball. Um, Tyson Degenhart, a freshman, the freshman of the year in the conference, as soon as he moved into the starting line, about six, seven games in, they went on an absolute tear. Won 14 games in a row. They won, they've, I think, 23-2 and two since he's been inserted in the starting lineup. He's one of those guys that just kind of blends a lot of uh, holes on your roster, both on the offensive and defensive end of the floor. He deserves a lot of credit. But really, uh, Abu Kijab and Emmanuel Acott are two tremendous wings uh, Acott at about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, plays a little bit of point guard because they don't have a traditional point guard, which can be a problem at times when they get pressured. Marcus Shaver's more of a two guard uh, who can really shoot it and score it. Um, but defensively, uh, they are one of the best teams I've seen defensively across the country this entire season. Um, the game um, typically with them is going to be in the 60s uh, where Memphis is going to want to get up and get the game at least in the 70s if they can. But uh, Boise State has done a great job of, of dictating tempo throughout the season. Uh, something to look out for if it's a close game down the stretch. Boise State uh, is not a good free throw shooting team at all. They've hovered in the bottom 15, 20 or so throughout the entire season with free throw percentage. So that's something to keep an eye on. But for the nine seed Memphis Tigers, Penny Hardaway, a uh, lot of expectations on this team coming into the season. Um, had a really good freshman class coming in. Amani Bates was the headliner. Uh, a lot had been talked about him since early in his high school career out of Michigan. Some people thought he might go overseas. Some, th some people thought he might um, go that G League route instead. He reclassified, got to Memphis early. He had some ups and downs, although he showed a lot of promise. Um, he's taken an absence away from the team, and that's allowed another one of their really talented freshmen who also reclassified to enter college early, Jalen Duran, um, allowed him to kind of step in more into that kind of forefront role um, on that ball club, and he's he's taken that responsibility and, and really performed extremely well. Um, so that's going to be an, a, a very interesting game to watch. Um, my heart says Boise State because Leon Rice, their head coach, former Gonzaga assistant, um, I've covered them many times over the years with some of my different broadcast responsibilities. Uh, but I thought both teams uh, were underseated there. I, I thought Boise State could have uh, been as high as a six. Seven was probably right, and same with Memphis. I thought um, – Nine might be right for Memphis, but they could have maybe even slid up into an eight. But at, if you're talking an eight, nine seed, it's all the same because you win, you got a one seed looming. And as we move up to that top of that bracket, we got the one seed Gonzaga Bulldogs taking on Georgia State. Georgia State out of the Sun Belt, um, you know, they've been a, on a tear as of late. They've won their last 12 games, excuse me, 10 games, 12 of their last 13 um, they're a guard dominant ball club. They've got three really good guards. 
um, that are really going to kind of attack you in different ways. Uh, Corey Allen, about 15 points a game, um, shoots it pretty well from three, over two makes a game, 36%, um, excuse me, 38, 39% on the season. Uh, Kane Williams, an attacking, slashing um, wing, he gets to the free throw line as much as any guard I, I can think of this season when I kind of look through the stats and, and the analytics. He is always in attack mode. He's a slasher. He can really put a lot of pressure on the defense. Not much of a shooter, um, but he can really put some pressure on you. Justin Roberts, other guard that they have, another guard who shoots it upper 30% from percent from three-point range, makes about one and a half of those a game. Uh, another really good guard. But those three guards I mentioned, um, they all make plays for each other. Each of them average of, of about three assists per game. They all average about a steal and a half to two steals a game. So they're really going to pressure you. Georgia State forces 16 turnovers a game on, on the year. So Gonzaga is going to have to do a good job of taking care of the basketball. Uh, quite frankly, that's probably one of the only ways that Georgia State is going to be able to you know, stay in the game early and maybe put some doubt in Gonzaga's mind is, is junk the game up. Uh, turn them over, get some easy buckets early, um, and keep it close. But that's that's not easy because Georgia State struggles to score from from literally anywhere from the field. They're bottom 15% in the country in two-point percentage as well as overall effective field goal percentage. So they struggle to score. Um, and when you're going against a really talented Gonzaga basketball team, um, that's asking a lot. Struggle to score. <laughs> Lack in size as compared to Gonzaga's front court. That's not a good recipe. But I would expect Georgia State to put up a heck of a fight because, they, like I said, they've been playing really well as of late. And a lot of that's due to, um, I hope I'm pronouncing the name correct, uh, Cincinnati from transfer from a couple of years ago, uh, 6'8", big men. Belial Sosimi, who's really kind of been an, an anchor on the inside, averages nearly 10 rebounds a game, about nine points a game. So it'll be interesting to see just how physical uh, he is, just how athletic he is, and just the kind of length that he has matching up against Holmgren and Drew Timmy. But if you're listening to Gonzaga Nation SI, you've heard enough about the Gonzaga Bulldogs throughout the year. You've followed the Bulldogs enough throughout the year. Um, obviously, number one overall seed, the one seed in the West. They've got talent across the board. Just today, Drew Timmy. Chet Holmgren were both named AP second team All-Americans, just adding to the long list of All-Americans that have played at Gonzaga. Um, but this team and this program now is after one thing, and that's winning a national title. They've been in two Final Fours. They've been in two national title games where they just couldn't quite uh, come up with the championship. But it's only a matter of time, and it very well could be this season. So there's a breakdown of... The teams in the West region, I've got Gonzaga knocking off Duke in the regional final to end Coach K's career and get Coach Few and Gonzaga Bulldogs to a third Final Four. So for Gonzaga Nation SI, I'm Dan Dickow. Enjoy March Madness.